Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you that you are our good shepherd, and I pray that as we examine your word and allow you to speak to us through it, that you would move from being an idea of a good shepherd to actually being our good shepherd from morning till night as we go through all kinds of different things. Through Christ we pray. Amen. So we are in the series of messages through the 23rd Psalm, and I've been really encouraged by the number of people who have responded, and they are finding that God is using this Psalm to shepherd them. People who have had um, difficulties in their um, lives, people who've had sickness that they've been diagnosed with or job that has been cut or something that has happened unexpectedly, and they hear God say, reminding them, I am your shepherd, I'm with you. And last week we talked a little bit about the second verse, how God gives us rest. The wonderful thing about this promise that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. This promise of this good shepherd leading us to places of rest is that the promise ultimately, of course, is fulfilled in Jesus. The invitation ultimately is from Jesus himself. We learned in um, Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And um, it doesn't matter how much rest you get. It's like every night we need some more rest. And no matter how many times we've heard the promise that God will give us rest or the invitation from Jesus, come to me and I will give you rest. It's always refreshing to hear the promise again and to accept that invitation again. In our message, I didn't have a lot of time to spend talking about the causes of our fatigue. So that's what I want to do in the time that we have together today, devotionally. What is it that causes our soul fatigue? So when we experience this, we realize I need to go to Jesus to find rest for my soul. One of the things we talked about was um, mistaken identity. The voice that we listen to that determines our identity is a voice that will determine whether we find ourselves perpetually exhausted or whether we find ourselves finding rest in the good shepherd. Sheep find rest because their identity is in the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall want. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside The identity of the sheep is in the shepherd and listening to the voice of the shepherd, identifying with the shepherd. Good shepherds tell us that sheep would not find rest unless their shepherd was with them. But when they found the shepherd was close by, the sheep could find peace and then rest in the good shepherd's presence. So the first question we need to ask is, what voice are we listening to? that determines our identity. What, In a sense, what voice is the shepherding voice for us? We live in a time that tells us that we need to listen to our own voice, that no voice can tell us who we are except the own, our own voice within us. 
Therefore, if that is true, I am valued by what I do. My voice tells me I am valued. I am I am, my, my, my identity is in what I accomplish. My identity is in what I feel. My identity is in what I say about myself and what I am. But in the inner voice, there is no rest to be found. One of the things the Bible points out is that the inner voice is deceptive. It can't be trusted. The inner voice, if that is the voice that we listen to for our identity and leadership, will always lead us exhausted. I got to thinking about it in preparation for the message last week. Eve had an inner voice that said, eat the forbidden fruit. Moses' inner voice said, kill the Egyptian. David's inner voice said, sleep with that woman that's not your wife and then kill her husband, the general, your general, David. Peter's voice said, deny Jesus. John Mark's voice in the garden said, run, even though you're going to be running naked through the garden. You know, Thomas's voice said, doubt your friends. The inner voice, if we listen to our own inner voice, so often the inner voice is deceptive above all things. Now, because we do have a conscience, sometimes the inner voice does get it right. Do I'm saying the inner voice always gets it wrong? No. But the inner voice is only right to the degree that it's listening to the shepherd's voice in the first place. My inner voice would tell me, I am a preacher. I am my height, my weight, my accomplishments. I am what people say about me. I am... All of these things that can be, that are insecure and can be taken away. And so maybe your inner voice tells you, I am an engineer. I am a college graduate or I'm not a college graduate. I am in shape or I'm not in shape. I am athletic or I'm not athletic. I am smart or I'm not smart. I am uh, 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 somebody who works in the White House. I am a GS-15 you know, level 10 or whatever. I am a lawyer. And depending on what you think about lawyers, that may be a good thing or may be a not so good thing. I shared with a third service, Ron Ferguson. I remember Ron Ferguson years ago saying that he really looked forward to the day because Ron was a special agent for the FBI. He looked forward to the day that his boys would grow up and be really impressed that he was an FBI special agent. And Ron wasn't just a special agent for the FBI. Ron was a special agent for the FBI that stayed in headquarters almost his entire career from the early 70s until he retired in the early 90s. He was the one who wrote the book on the polygraph. All the procedures for polygraph were essentially written by Ron in the early 70s, and then they were digitized by Ron in the early 90s. Ron was an SES-3 in charge of the entire documents section for the FBI. He testified often in major cases, in, in major, um, you know, well-known national cases for the FBI. I mean, Ron had an impressive career with the FBI. And Ron would tell you, it meant nothing to his kids. I mean, yes, Pat and Thatcher were impressed by it to a degree, but it was no place to find rest. And what Ron reminded me of last week when I talked to him about it was, he, he said, and, and to quote, um, uh, and another danger is when the object of your identity gets tainted. 
and you don't want to be associated with it anymore. You won't find rest if your identity is in your career or any other internal voice that gives you identity. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. It is a freeing day when your significance has nothing to do with what your inner voice tells you about your productivity or your position or your prizes or your possessions. It is a great day, a restful day, when your identity is in the Good Shepherd and His presence and what He says about us. Another cause of fatigue, soul fatigue, is materialism. Now, materialism says stuff matters. Materialism as an action, it leads to greed. But the reason it leads to greed is because materialistic, materialism is actually a, a, a worldview that is popular today that basically says it's the, it is a, what we would call a lower story worldview. The upper story, we see the world through eternal eyes, through God's eyes, through what matters for eternity, through the kingdom. The lower story just sees the secular, just sees life as it unfolds today. It is, was most stated probably most concisely and clearly and proudly by Carl Sagan in that television series that he did for PBS through, years called, uh, through the years called The Cosmos, where he said, the cosmos is all that is or ever was or ever will be. That's a materialistic uh, worldview. The, the stuff is all that is or ever was or ever will be. The lower story is all that is or ever was or ever will be. And if that's your mindset, the result of that is greed, because all that matters is stuff, the accumulation of stuff, the experience of stuff. Eric, Eric Fromm, the great psychologist one time said of greed, it is a bottomless pit that which exhausts us in an endless effort to satisfy the need without ever reaching satisfaction. The thing about materialism is that it leads to greed. All that matters is stuff, because stuff is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be. How do we measure ourselves? By stuff. And as from, who wasn't a Christian, said the problem with greed, finding your fulfillment in stuff, is that it is a bottomless pit of insatiable search for satisfaction. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4 says it like this. Don't wear yourselves out to get rich. Because you know better, stop. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Somebody pointed out, take a look at a dollar bill. Somebody pointed out recently to me, on the back of a dollar bill, you have an eagle. Now, I know the eagle is the sign of the strength here of the United States and probably the strength of the dollar but I think it's also instructive for us. The dollar bill has an eagle on it, which reminds us of the proverb that says, this dollar bill is like an eagle that will have take flight and be gone. The problem with putting your rest in just having enough stuff is, you know, you can take, uh, it takes a long time to make $1,200 but you take your car to get one repair at the car repair and that $1,200 
takes up wings like an eagle and flies away. We recently had our um, had to have our air conditioner and furnace replaced. Our house is now about 18 years old. We knew it was coming. And just like that, I'm so thankful for the people, for the deal that we got. Got a great deal, got an honest deal. Could not be more thankful for the deal. But I also know you spent more money on an air conditioning unit and a, and a furnace than I do on buying a car, at least on the last car that I bought. Who knows now with the inflation. But you get the idea. The thing about putting confidence in stuff is it flies away just like that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, watch out and be on your guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. So many people hold on to their stuff. They don't want to tithe. They want to give it to God first. Why? Because their confidence is in their stuff. Their measure is in their stuff. Their, their rest is found in having enough stuff. But the problem with that is so insecure. You will never find rest because you never have enough stuff to give you rest. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth will, is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Jesus says stuff is no place to find your rest because no matter how much you have, you never have enough to be secure. Mistaken identity, materialism. Along with materialism and greed goes a close kin, which is envy. Where greed says, I need more stuff, envy says, I can't rest as long as other people have more stuff. Now, we're usually too sophisticated to look at somebody else and say, I want their stuff for me. What we do in modern society is our envy is expressed by saying, oh, no, I want more stuff for other people. You see, I'm not greedy for myself. I am just envious that everybody doesn't have an equal amount of stuff. Equal Now, God did not create people to be equal in stuff. We are equal in value. We're equal in what matters most. We're equal in love that God has for us. We're equal in things of the upper story. But in a lower story, materialistic way, we will never be equal in all stuff. But envy says you can't be happy as long as in the lower story, there, is, there are inequalities. Ecclesiastes 4.4 4 says, I saw the, that all labor and all skillful work is due to one person's jealousy of another. This too is futile in a pursuit of the wind. Just think, we can be happy until you go on, go on social media and you see how some people have more stuff than others. You can be happy until you look at the news and you see some people have more stuff than others. Some people are just more gifted than others. Some people have more benefits than others. Some people have whatever. And so all of a sudden we can't, we say, I can't be, I can't rest until envy is satisfied. And the problem with that is you'll never be satisfied. Again, Ecclesiastes 4.4 in a different translation says, I've seen all the work done because a man wants what his neighbor has. And people get worn out, not just because of greed, but because of the envy that comes from inequality. Another cause for 
fatigue, soul fatigue, is undervaluing relationships. See, the most important stuff is relationships. We can be satisfied in a healthy relationship with the Good Shepherd. We can be satisfied with the relationships and the love that God gives us in relationships and being able to love people. But selfish desires never satisfy the soul when we undervalue relationships. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 says, I saw the futility, this futility under the sun. There's a person without a companion, without even a son or a brother, that no relationships. And though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are not content with his riches. Who am I struggling for, he says, and depriving myself of good things. This too is futile and a miserable task. See, when we undervalue relationships, it makes us lonely and it never satisfies the soul. Again, when I was asking, talking to Ron Ferguson about his work with the FBI, Ron said, you know, Brett, when I was young and my boys were young and I was kind of hoping one day they would be really impressed that I was a special agent with the FBI, Ron now is uh, about 80 years old. And Ron said to me, Brett, the only thing that matters now is my good relationships with my boys. I'm just so thankful that we have a good relationship. See, that's maturity. You can be satisfied with relationships and properly valuing them. But when we undervalue relationships, we overvalue things that don't matter so much. And the result is relationships pay a price. Again, when we take the attitude of nobody can tell me what to do, what's most important is that I pursue my own voice. We say things like, you know what? I have a dream. I'm not going to let people get in the way of my dream. I have my desires. I'm not going to let my desires stop me from you know, being fulfilled. I'm not going to let my family obligations keep me from my own personal happiness. I have a career path to follow. And I know it may hurt some, some of my kids. I know it may, may hurt the family for us to move again so I can pursue my career path. But, but what really matters is my career path. You see, we undervalue relationships and it leads us to loneliness and that doesn't satisfy the soul. It just fatigues the heart. You know, when you get to heaven, God is going to look at you someday and ask you, about your relationships. He's going to say, I, I didn't create you to make a lot of money. I didn't create you to be famous. I create, tell me about your relationships. Tell me about your love for your family. Tell me about your love for lost people. Who are the lost people you brought with you into heaven? Because what matters in eternity is people. We wear ourselves out with mistaken identity. We wear ourselves out with materialism. We wear ourselves out with envy. We wear ourselves out undervaluing relationships and selfish ambition. We also wear ourselves out with fear. You know, by nature, sheep are fearful beasts. It is very difficult for them to rest. In fact, the conditions have to be absolutely perfect for them to rest unafraid. By nature... Human beings are fearful. I looked up a number of fears that human beings have. I thought they were kind of interesting. 
Arithmophobia is the fear of numbers. This is why many of us go into ministry. Um, Barophobia. You say the fear of borrowing things, the fear of bars. No, it's the fear of gravity. Can you imagine being afraid of gravity? How about bibliophobia? Fear of books. How about cacophobia? You say fear of chocolate milk. No, it's actually fear of ugliness. Can you imagine? Ah, oh, I don't want to. That's what I feel when I look in the mirror in the morning. Ah, oh, I have cocophobia. Okay, fear of ugliness. How about decidophobia? Fear of making decisions. I understand that one. Gamma phobia. Fear of big thighs. No, it's fear of marriage. Gamma phobia. And then this is my personal favorite. Hypopotomostrosesquipedaliophobia. Literally, it's fear of long words. Three-letter word, meaning fear of long words. That's just to name a few of the phobias that we have as human beings. Fear makes us feel like we need to be in control. And so the more we try to control, the more we realize we can't control, and the more out of control we are, the more fearful we have, and it's just this vicious cycle. But the Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 2, in vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, but he gives sleep to those he loves. In other words, when the Lord is your shepherd, you can rest in him. But if you just get up early, trying to control things, trying to work harder, so you are the shepherd of your life, it's going to be vain. You can't work hard enough to overcome your fears. You can't control enough to find yourself to be in the place you say, hey, I don't have to worry anymore because I'm completely in control. The more you try to control, the more you realize you're out of control. In vain, you stay up early and, and as you work late and get up early because he is the one, the good shepherd is the one who gives us rest. Ecclesiastes 6, 7 says, all of a person's labor is for his stomach, and yet his appetite is never satisfied. One translation says, we work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. Anxious work never quiets fears. It just drains the soul. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Find your identity in him. Live for the upper story, not for materialism. Value relationships, not pursuit of yourself and then ultimately put your trust in him and not in controlling life by your hard work and efforts and manipulation but learn to rest in the good shepherd heavenly father help us to overcome help us to identify when we are pursuing things that just fatigue our souls 
and help us today to hear your voice to calling us to you to rest. I thank you that it is an invitation to you, come, you that Jesus, you say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and you will give rest. Forgive us when we look to false things, to idols, to find our strength and rest. Help us today to pursue you. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Um, I hope that you will find rest in Jesus today. But in addition to that, I hope that you will see people around you who are like sheep without a shepherd and find an opportunity to share Jesus with them, to pray with them, to invite them to church, to have some spiritual conversation that God uses to help them find rest in the Good Shepherd as well.